This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown! Terrence Williams! Oh, goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh, he put He's the What's he up the right sideline? Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Welcome to the Republic of Football. I am your host for the day, Mike Craven. And like his Texas State Bobcats, Ishmael Johnson has no-showed this week. I am joined, however, by our talented <laughs> producer, Mallory Hartley. Mal, pal, how are you doing? How are you recovering from your long weekend in San Antonio? I'm good. Oh, I'm really close. I need to scoot that camera back. But you just got a snort out of me, like, from that joke. And the funny thing is, is you've told it to me, like, three times already. But, like, once you said it confidently on the air... It like made me chuckle a little bit. Like, I was pretty proud sore. of that. It I was, was pretty good. proud of that. It was I really was pretty good. proud of that. Ish isn't here to defend himself. He's no. doing top secret Texas football <laughs> uh, work, and we'll leave it at that. But he is not here. He will join us for our Sunday recap special uh, when we get to that. But today, uh, we're going to focus on a couple headlines: the college football playoffs expanded, and some injuries at the quarterback position around the state. We will be joined by good friend and excellent writer Sam Khan of the Athletic, senior writer there. At the Athletic, formerly of ESPN, uh, worked at the Houston uh, Chronicle for a while, uh, knows a lot about football inside the state, so we'll talk to Sam Khan about that. Um, and then we will go through every other game that we don't talk to Sam about. With Sam, we'll probably talk Texas-Alabama, mm -hmm. Texas Tech-Houston, uh, even BYU-Baylor. Uh, and then Mallory and I, after that interview, will go through all the other games uh, in the state, all 12 teams in the state at the FBS level, are in action for week two. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So before we get to that, let's start with some headlines. The biggest news happened, I believe, Friday as we were driving <laughs> yeah, we were, from Dallas to San Antonio to watch Judson Westlake. Yeah, we were literally in the car, and I'm on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, crap, they did it. They actually did it. They actually approved a 12-team college football expansion. That's freaking crazy. It's such a journalist's nightmare to be in the car. In <laughs> and we yeah. were, like, dead in the middle of our oh, drive yeah. too, like we weren't close to one or the other for the biggest college football news to drop since the last biggest college football news dropped. Cause right. it seems like every two weeks there's this like new bombshell that changes the sport completely. Right. But to be kind of in the middle of nowhere, cause we're on like the one thirty toll road, not to be able to write about it was pretty tough. But I, I, yeah, I almost was like, do you like want to, pull off to the side of the road real quick like, i did i could <laughs> like we could we could do that if you need to do that like this is your job i understand i can drive if you want but it was yeah, tough no, it was, it was, it was tough. tough but for those who for those who uh haven't heard or need a, uh, a refresher uh, the college football playoff is to expand to 12 games 12 teams by 2026 uh that 12 teams will be consisted of the 12 the six highest ranked conference champions mm -hmm. and the six highest ranked at large bids right, that are determined by the committee. Yeah. Uh, so 12 teams total, four teams will get a bye, the other eight teams will play. It sounds like those first-round games will be on campus. So, like, whoever the five-seed team is, so let's say it's A&M, is playing 12-seed LSU, so A&M would have the home, home game. Okay. And then once we got to uh, the semifinals, uh, that it would be more 
of a bowl game kind of site that we're used to now with the, with the college football player. I guess the quarterfinals, I'm sorry. So, right. um, but I think the biggest news out of this deal isn't just the expanded playoff, which is good because it brings more fan bases involved instead of just having five, six, seven fan bases involved in November, December. Now we're going to have 14, 15, 16, 17 fan bases involved right. uh, as this thing narrows down. Uh, but for me as a G5 grad, as somebody who loves uh, G5 football, one G5 conference champion should. I say should because who knows what changes over the next three or four years yeah. in terms of yeah. what conferences look like and all that kind of stuff. But on paper, six conference champions guaranteed a spot means that five Power Five champions will get in. SEC, Big Ten, Big mm -hmm. 12, ACC, Pac-12. But that leaves a spot guaranteed for like the American champion or the Sun Belt champion or – Probably not, though. The Conference USA Mountain champion, West, yeah. Mountain West, right? So whoever that kind of darling team would be from the G5 yeah. ranks gets in there. I think that's big news for places like UTSA, North Texas, SMU, right. that now you're not shut out from the playoff. There is a route there. Right. Well, and Pickle and I talked about this a lot on WTF last week, and this was before the, the expansion actually dropped, the news did on Thursday. We were like, if they were to expand it to at least 12 teams, you have to set some kind of precedent because nobody – I mean, I guess I could – a lot of people aren't going to watch it if there's going to be six SEC teams – and six Big Ten teams. You had to set that precedent to where, yeah, you get each Power Five conference champion in there, and then, of course, you get your low-level G5 conference champion in there, too. Um, but I was like, yeah, you've, you've got to at least put that out there because, realistically, like, man, no one wants to watch a six SEC, six Big Ten team. Right. I, I think the way it will be, I think it'll still be about half of the teams. I think there will be, like, three SEC teams, right. three Big Ten teams, conference champions from everywhere else, and then maybe an extra Big 12 team or ACC team or Pac-12 or even a second G5 team, right. depending on how things break. So, uh, But for me, it, it just it keeps the fan bases, base engaged mm -hmm. throughout the season. You right. know, you lose one game early, you don't have to go, oh, well, our season's – like Notre Dame, for example. They lose to Ohio State week one. Mm -hmm. In the current format, it's kind of done. Right. You're probably out of it, right? Even if you run the table, probably out of it. With the 12-team thing, if you're Notre Dame, you lose that first game, you're still in it. You know, right. you run the table, you can still get into that 12-team uh, range. And then uh, lastly, I think another big positive will be Texas and Alabama are playing this week. That will future be a conference game. But in general, I think we get to see more of these games. Yes. Right? You're not going to be scared to put – To schedule a hard team right. first. Because right. if you lose, it's not the end of the world. You can go win your conference and you're, you're in a spot, right? If you're Texas Tech – yeah. You can go schedule Texas once Texas is in the SEC. And even if you lose that game, if you go win the Big 12, you're going to be one of the six highest-ranked conference champions. So, exactly. So uh, I think it's good for college football. I'm a big uh, – people who listen to this podcast know Ish and I aren't big college football playoff or bust people because it, it, it eliminates so many good things about the college game. Right. But expanding it to 12 I think is, is a good, solid number. I hope it doesn't get bigger than that. Right. Um, and I, I think we do have to figure out a way to save the bowl structure. Uh, but yeah. it's a step in the right direction. We knew this was coming. At least there's the six conference champions guaranteed a spot. I think that was a really important part. Right. I was just on my computer when you were saying this, but I don't know if you actually said it. But now that we got the facts out of the way, let's kind of pull our opinions in here. It's not going to change anything. Right. This is not basketball. This is not, this is not a, hey, look, St. Peter's. 15 seed upset number two Kentucky. You know, like 
Right. Football's football's different. Right. It's an 85 scholarship game. You got 11 starters on both sides of the ball. You're going to play about 50, 60 guys Mm -hmm. every single game. There's 200 snaps. You know, Cincinnati made it in last year as a quote-unquote Cinderella G5 team and got housed by Alabama, right? Yeah, right. But so do most teams that play Alabama in the semifinals. You know, like Georgia housed Michigan, you know, like and Michigan's a Big Ten champion. So there's always going to be blowouts. There's always only two or three teams that really have a shot by the end of the year Mm -hmm. to win the championship. UTSA goes undefeated, sneaks into this thing. You know, they're not going to beat Georgia. They're not going to beat Alabama. And if they do, they're not going to pull that same upset again next week Mm -hmm. and the week after that. So I don't know if it changes who is in the championship game or changes who's in the semifinals, but it does change how your fan base views the college football season. Right. And it does change maybe the way recruits view the college football season. Because you no longer just have to go to Ohio State or Alabama or Clemson to play for a championship. You could go to Tech. You could go to TCU. You could go to Notre Dame. You can go to all these different Mm -hmm. places and find your way into the college football playoff. So maybe that kind of spreads the talent out. Yeah. And as the talent is spread out, it's not so much of a obstacle to beat in Alabama. You're closer to them and it's not as big of an upset. So Right, for sure. All around good news there. I think that's uh an overwhelmingly positive thing for the game. Something that's not all that positive uh for the game of football here inside the state. There's a lot of injuries in week 1 at specifically at the quarterback position. Texas Tech uh lost their quarterback Tyler Shuck uh to an injury. Uh, we're not sure yet if it's AC joint, if it's a collarbone. They're saying at least two weeks, so he's going to miss Houston versus NC State. Uh, TCU also lost their starting quarterback. Chandler Morris beat out longtime experienced starter Max Duggan, only to be injured with a sprained knee. He's going to be out at least this week against Tarleton. And then Wiley Green at Rice was injured against USC, uh, may or may not be there uh, for the Week 2 game for the Owls. Which one do you think is the most important injury in terms of, like, will make the biggest impact if that guy doesn't get back pretty soon? Right. Uh, I was just about to ask you that, that same question, but I think it's got to be Rice. Yeah. I mean, I think Wiley Wiley Green looked okay as he could have against that USC team. Still, you know, Rice obviously going into that game probably didn't have a chance of even scoring within that close range with USC. But I think that TJ McMahon just, like – it's, it's just hard. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's just a, such a big drop-off. I think TCU is obviously in the best position just because they've got that experience coming back at quarterback with Max Duggan um, in place of Chandler Morris. But, yeah, I think Rice is probably getting the short end of the stick yeah. here with – I mean, and they just rotate quarterbacks so much. There's just not that much consistency. So, they're already having – they're already struggling so much at that position anyways. And to take off your starting quarterback – I mean, probably going to be hurting for quite a bit if Wiley Green can't get healthy. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. Donovan Smith is a capable capable quarterback at Texas Tech. They were in a quarterback battle mm-hmm. all all uh, spring, all summer, all fall. So he's good. He played he played well in relief duty yeah. uh, against Murray State. You know, as we've talked about, Max Duggan started you know dozens of games. He's played a lot, uh, so he'll be fine there. The drop-off between Wiley Green and T.J. McMahon is, is a big deal. It could be the difference between reaching a bowl game and not reaching a bowl game. You know, right. and so uh, T.J. McMahon threw three interceptions in his mm-hmm. his relief duty last year last week. USC returns <laughs> returned three Rice t- interceptions for touchdowns. You know, they got 21 points off of turnovers. Rice is not good enough to make those kind of mistakes. Mm-hmm. From talking to people around Rice, T.J. McMahon has more upside. Right. 
but he makes these mistakes. Mm -hmm. And if you're Rice, your er margin of error error is so small, you'd rather take the game manager and see where it falls mm -hmm. than take the risk on the upside, but you're going to throw a couple more interceptions. Right. Well, wide receiver Luke McCaffrey did play a couple snaps last year, right? Yeah, he played some quarterback and, last year. I mean, if this continues to go the way that it does with TJ McMahon at quarterback, do you consider bringing McCaffrey back at quarterback? That's a great question. I mean, I think McCaffrey's liking the wide receiver thing and, yeah. and thinks that's where his long-term position is going to be. That's where his dad played a right. decade in, in the NFL. But, yeah, if you're Mike Bloomgren and this gets to week three, week four, and Wiley Green's not back and you're struggling at quarterback, I mean, I think you look into any right. and all uh, situations. Because if you're Bloomgren, you're coaching for your job this year. This isn't exactly. year one where you still have some years to figure it out and all this is unfortunate. You know, for all intents and purposes, this could be it. You know, right. and so you got to do anything and everything you can uh, to get him back on the field. From what I've heard, they don't think it's going to be a long-term injury. Yeah. But you just never know with that kind of stuff. Right. So uh, hopefully he's back. They they play McNeese this week. They should be able to beat him even without a quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, hopefully they get him back going into the teeth of the schedule. Yeah. Uh, last question before we move on. Out of those three quarterbacks, which one do you think is less likely to return? Tyler Shutt. You know, I, it sounds like Chandler Morris, you know, if this was a big game, could possibly give it a go. Yeah. You know, they play Tarleton, so why risk it there? Right. You know, Wiley Green, kind of the same thing. It sounds like, you know, they're they're talking about if he's going to be back this week or next week, not if he's going to be back ever. Mm -hmm. With Tyler Shuck, if that ends up being a broken collarbone, he's out for the year. That's what he missed the rest of the out. Yeah. He missed eight games last year. You know, he only played the first four last year before breaking a collarbone. So right. I think that injury has the biggest potential to to linger. It's in his throwing shoulder, I believe. Mm -hmm. So you know, even if even if it's not a broken collarbone, it becomes about pain management. You're going to get hit again, right? You know, and so I think it's one that can flare up and flare up again. Yeah. So, as we get Sam Khan on the phone, let me read our read from the sponsors. Every high school athlete wants to play on the big stage. Every parent wants their child to be the best. But is making your target list of schools based on top 25 rankings really the best strategy? What about academics, location, coaching style, financial aid? There are so many factors that should be considered when selecting a college program outside of on-field performance. Our friends at Athletes to Athletes have put together a recruiting guide centered around providing a broader, more holistic perspective about what your college experience could be. Complete with checklists, do's and don'ts, key strategies, and much more, this 22-page guide covers everything you and your family should know as you walk through your college recruiting journey. For a limited time, Athletes to Athletes is offering this guide for free to our audience. Just go to athletestoathletes.com forward slash Dave Campbell today to, to, down, to download the free college recruiting guide that's athletes to athletes.com forward slash dave campbell we are joined on our hotline by sam khan of the athletic i grew up in houston sam khan will understand this reference everybody says devin the dude is every rapper's favorite rapper sam khan <laughs> is every sports writer's favorite sports writer sam welcome to the show I appreciate that. You were far too kind, Mike. Thanks for having me. So we're going to talk about the uh, the three big games uh, of the weekend. UTSA is going to be mad at me for not including them in that one, but we'll stick with the Power Five kind of big games here. Um, let's start with the big game of the week that everybody's talking about, Houston at Texas Tech, uh, which is Saturday at 3 p.m. on FS1. The Red Ra Raiders are favored by three points. I hear you're going to be out there in West Texas 
Um, kind of what are some of the storylines that you're looking for in this matchup this early in the season should be a pretty good one. Yes, no doubt should be. Uh, obviously, the quarterback situation with Tech, you know, going to be interesting to see Donovan Smith back at the controls there. Uh, and we got to see the, some of that last year, of course. You know, he, I thought he did a good job down the stretch, particularly in that bowl game win that they had uh, at the end of the year. But uh, seeing him in the Zach Kitley offense on, on a full game basis will be fascinating. Uh, I'm curious to see how Houston responds after a, a game that was much, much tougher than I think certainly they expected or certainly some of us expected. I think we all know UTSA would fight, but I mean, Houston was on the ropes there in the third quarter of that game. And so uh, I, I'm curious to see how tech, how uh, Houston bounces back from that. And this is a big game for them too, because they were up pretty quick. I think it was 14, nothing last year in that game in NRG uh, to start the year. And then things kind of fell apart for Houston after that. And of course, those programs went a little bit different directions. Of course, tech ended up making a change down the road. Uh, Houston, of course, didn't lose another game until they got to the conference championship against Cincinnati. But uh, if Houston's going to be that team that people have pegged them as the New Year's Six favorite, so to speak, then they got to win this, and, and they've got to they've got to go up the up and get it done. Yeah, I'm kind of curious if that Week One triple overtime win for Houston was almost a blessing in disguise. You know, they almost they got beat last year in Week One to Texas Tech, as you mentioned. You know, after being ahead. They kind of had to play role reversal against UTSA and come back from a 21 to seven fourth quarter deficit. Do you think it's one of those things where that could be like a wake up call for Houston? And maybe that's, you know, kind of the floor performance we see from them for the rest of the year. Very well could be. Uh, I think there are still some concerning things to me from Houston, from a Houston standpoint, obviously they struggled a little bit to run the ball uh, for stretches in that game. And if there was one thing that concerned me about this team coming into the year, it was the absence of Alton McCaskill, you know, losing him in the spring to that knee injury. It was such a dynamic player for them last year. And I, I think because of how much talent is across the roster, I think it was easy for people to overlook and say, well, you know, they'll still be fine, but I think it is hard to replace a guy like that. So, so I, I would be interested to see how they grow in that backfield, but when it comes from a defensive standpoint, and I know Doug Belk talked about it the other day, hey, we've got to clean up some stuff in two minutes because we allowed Frank Harris to get down there in less than a minute uh, to, to get that game-time field goal. So there, I think that is a blessing for sure because you, you see, okay, we've got to clean up some of these things defensively. We've got to get better in the run game, and, and we've just got to make fewer mistakes overall. And I think those are all pretty typical game one things that, uh, that they can build off of. I'm excited for this game because my idea of heaven at the current moment is Zach Kitley's offense versus Doug Belk's defense. Hundred percent. No, I, I that that when this game, uh, when I looked at it on the schedule and and Tech made the change and you know, coaching staff and they hired Kitley, that was one of the first things I thought is, hey, you know they put up Tech Tech put up 601 yards last week and I know obviously it was against Murray State, but seeing them go uh, all out, air it out and against this Belk defense. And of course, Belk is somebody who's got a lot of attention this offseason as a potential head coaching candidate down the road. That is going to be a fascinating matchup. You know, the Houston's front, we saw what it can do. You saw Derek Parrish make that big play and that comeback to put some pressure and, and force the interception. But uh, I, I'm fascinated to see that strength versus strength matchup in this game. Moving to Austin, ESPN game day is in town. Fox News College noon, whatever they call that thing is in town. Uh, Longhorn Network's got a live show, so we got three live shows going for this game with the 21-point spread. You know, is there a formula for Texas to win this game? Should we define winning as different than just, like, the scoreboard? Is there another way that Texas can kind of impress and come out of this feeling pretty good even if they don't win? 
It's just don't get embarrassed. I yeah. think I think that's the biggest thing. Don't get beat like you're an FCS or a G5 team. Uh, and and not to say that Alabama doesn't do that to the Power Five team. I mean, I've seen it. Uh, heck, I remember like in 2014, uh, the year after Johnny Manziel left A and M, Alabama beat Texas A and M 59 nothing. They 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 can do that to you uh, if if you're not careful. Things can snowball, but just be competitive. I think that that's the first thing. Because let's be honest, I don't think any of us are expecting Texas to win that game. Uh, I think it would be a surprise to all of us if they did. And they've got 10 more games after the season. So this game, to me, it's all the buildup has been there and everybody's going to be focusing on it. And, and to some people maybe ascribe some larger narrative to Texas based on this. But to me, the, the Texas and what defines the Longhorns this season is going to be what happens after this game. What happens the following week at UTSA? What happens the week after that when they go to Lubbock to play Texas Tech? Uh, how do they fare in conference play? Is there a hangover effect from this game? Uh, would I give them a puncher's chance to win? I, I don't expect it. But to me, there's enough talent that, hey, if things go right and the Alabama gets a little sloppy, you never know. Uh, th- that's the one thing is, is that Texas has recruited a really high level. And so you can't rule it out because of that. And they're at home. It's going to be a big crowd. You know, you just you just never know how these things can go. But yeah, of course, I'm not expected. And I think as long as they don't, they're not down 40 to nothing at halftime or something like that. Then it, if Texas can do some positive things and be in the game for a little while, then maybe they have something to build on moving forward. Yeah, I, I uh, looked it up in Texas or Alabama's last five losses. They've lost the turnover mat- battle. But I still think if you told me Texas won the turnover margin by two, I'd still pick Alabama. I think we'd have to get into Texas getting three, four, five more turnovers uh, to pick Alabama. I'm with you. I think it's just keep it close. Like earlier I was saying off camera, like if people are still watching this game in the fourth quarter, that's a win for Texas. If people have turned the channel at halftime, I think we know – uh, uh, what we need to know about the scoreboard. But what I wanted to ask you before we move on to Baylor BYU is, does the result on Saturday determine how they play the next 10 games? I think we've seen Texas not get over uh, defeats very well. Like, do they need to play well on Saturday to keep the belief to play the next 10 games? Or if this team gets blown out Saturday, are they fragile enough to just that rolls into just like, oh, here we go again type season? Yeah, I, th- I think I think it does matter in that way. And I think when talking to some of the players on Monday, uh, you, I think one of them alluded to that. I want to say it was the Marvin Overshone that said that the goal, their goal, as Sark said on Monday, was to play in the Big 12 Championship in Arlington. And some of that is going to be defined by how they respond to adversity when things get tough. Things are going to get hard on Saturday. This is the best team in college football. And I think he said, however we respond to that, is going to tell how our season goes from here. I thought, that, I thought that was pretty wise. Obviously, he's a veteran guy. He's been around this program a long time. But I think that's true. I think how you fight and how you battle some of the stuff you're going to deal with in this game is going to define this team to a degree for the rest of the year and tell us how they're going to fight against Oklahoma or if it gets tough against Iowa State or Baylor, how, how they're going to answer in those moments may be foreshadowed by what we see on the field on Saturday. Speaking of Baylor, the Bears head to BYU on Saturday night. Kickoff's not now, not until 9.15, so it's going to be a gambler's paradise there. The Bears are three-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road in Provo to future Big 12 rival opponent. Kind of what are your thoughts on the on Baylor this year? Like, where do you stand in terms of expectations? Is this, some, is this a team you think 
can compete for another conference title? Is this a team that you think just going to kind of get to seven, eight wins? You know, like where do you see Baylor in year three under Dave Aranda? I think this game is going to tell us that. Yeah. I think this is the litmus test game to reveal to us, is this team legitimately built to make that run back to the conference title or is this an eight or nine win team that's going to have some growing pains? I, I picked them in the preseason to be the Big 12 champion because of what they brought back on the line of scrimmage. Bringing back that many offensive linemen who, who played really, really well last year, bringing back your entire two deep on the defensive line and, and adding a guy like Jackson Player to me, it, that starting there, bringing all that back in the trenches is so huge. And yes, they've got a lot to replace in the back end of the defense. They've got to replace Jalen Petrie and Terrell Bernard, new receivers. You know, Shapin's got to go through the full thing as a starter. No Abram Smith anymore. You've got to figure out, you know, how the rushing rotation is going to go. All those questions have to be answered, and, and they're not also necessarily going to come this weekend. But the fact that you start with that part, to me, buys you time to figure the rest out. Now, BYU is going to be ready for this game because this is BYU went to Waco and they got handled pretty well last year. And so I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of motivation intensity from the Cougar standpoint for this one. But to me, this will this will be very informative for us as to where Baylor is headed the rest of the year. All right, sir. I appreciate the uh, the knowledge as as always. Thanks for taking the time. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Y'all take care. You too. That was Sam Khan, senior writer. At The Athletic, one of my favorite people in this business, and uh, read him whenever possible. Yeah, he's awesome. He's definitely one of my favorite people that I've met in the business so far. And I haven't been in the business very long, but like he's definitely he's up there. He's such a nice, personal guy. He'll always come up to you and talk to you, and yeah, he's great. If anybody ever says anything bad about Sam Khan... We're coming for you. <laughs> well, it's just, they're telling on themselves. You know, like it's like, oh, well, if you don't like Sam, that means Sam doesn't like you. There's and if Sam wrong. doesn't like you, there's something wrong with you. Exactly. You know, like, one of the nicest guys uh, in this industry will do uh, anything and everything to help anybody. And that that can be lost sometimes. This is a pretty right. competitive industry. You it know, is. we're all kind of competitors, right? Like Sam's a, comp- a competitor of mine, right? But we're still really good friends. And right. uh, I think that's an important thing in this industry to do. So appreciate Sam coming on. And now... We're moving to the lightning round of games. Boom. All right. Let's go ahead and start off with a good one. We got Texas A&M taking on Appalachian. Do you say Appalachian or Appalachian? I say Appalachian, but I don't know if that's correct. I don't either, so we're just going to go with that. Appalachian State, this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. You can watch the game on ESPN2. Um, A&M, favored by 18 points, which... To me, I don't know. And just watching their performance last week against Sam Houston State, like, yeah, they put up 31 points on Sam Houston State. They had, like, over 500 yards of offense and only put up 31 points. To me, I just didn't think the offense looked that impressive. You know, are they, do you think they're going to be able to put – they're going to win by 18 points against a team that just came off of a really, really close loss to uh, North Carolina? I honestly do, and, here, and here's why. I think that defeat by Appalachian State was deflating. I think when you get yeah. that close to beating your kind of in-state big brother, right, mm-hmm. and then you don't get it, that's going to be really hard for the locker room to bounce back from and just get back ready for another road game in a different state right. against a team that's really, really good. Conversely, I think how poorly they played to their standards in week one 
will propel A&M to play super well. A lot better. In week yeah. two. I think Haynes King knocks off some of the rust. I don't know if we see him make as many mistakes. That offensive line and running game have to be better. A guy like Evan Stewart's gotten a game under his belt at wide receiver, so he should be even better. Anaya Smith was excellent against Sam Houston. And that defense is going to get better every single week. Mm -hmm. They're so young. They're so talented that each week is kind of like an iron-on-iron sharpening session. you know. Right. And so like, I think every week they play together, they get better and better. What I'm interested in this game is just watching Haynes King and his progression. He made a few throws last week that – you just dropped your jaw in awe mm -hmm. of because they were such good throws. And then he made a few throws that you dropped your jaw because it was like, how did you not see that guy? You know, right, that was like right. straight to a defender. What a bad throw. And so if he can eliminate the bad ones and get more towards 65, 70% completions, zero interceptions, maybe just one interception, you know, this A&M team's got as much talent as almost anybody in the nation, mm -hmm. save, you know, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia. Right. You know, so as long as Haynes can drive the bus, I think A&M going to do really well. I think this week they're going to have a really good game and App State's going to kind of come back to earth a little bit. Right. I don't think there's really – I think the story here is going to be that Texas A&M offense against Appalachian State's For sure. defense. Like, I, I don't think that – I don't think A&M's defense really has any problem. I, last week, uh, Chase Bryce is their quarterback, Appalachian State's quarterback, put up over 361 yards. Not going to be possible <laughs> against this yeah. Texas A&M uh, pass rush for sure. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our next game in the lightning round. UTEP taking on New Mexico State at the Sun Bowl. Uh, UTEP is favored by 14 points. The over-under for this game is 46. Now, I kind of talked to you about this game beforehand, and when I was looking at New Mexico State and who they've played, they're 0-2 as well. They got shut out by Min uh, Minnesota last week. So is UTEP, both coming in 0-2, yet UTEP is favored by over two scores. Is that surprising to you at all? No, because New Mexico State is arguably the worst FBS team in, in the nation. We'll talk yeah. about another one later with right. FIU playing Texas State, but New Mexico State's that bad. I actually am surprised it's not more. If mm -hmm. UTEP was only 0-1, had that schedule not been changed and they didn't play against North Texas and they'd only played against Oklahoma so far, UTEP be a 17.5, 20-point favorite. Right. Hammer the Miners. This is a preview mm -hmm. of Craven Betts right here. <laughs> hammer, hammer the Miners. 14 points isn't enough. I know they didn't play well against North Texas, but they never played against well against right. North Texas. I know they got beat down by Oklahoma, but of course they did. Yep. Right, they're going to play a team that's more like them now. This is a future mm -hmm. Conference USA yes. opponent. This is their main rivalry. It's only about a 35, 45, 40 minute drive to Las Cruces. Uh, we made that drive when we were out there. We did. Um, and so, I think UTEP shows up to this game because they have to have it. New Mexico State's not playing for anything this year. This mm -hmm. is Jerry Kill's year number one. They're just trying to right the ship and get the program back in order. They're not trying to get to a bowl game. Mm -hmm. UTEP's trying to get to a bowl game. Yep. And they can't do that if they don't win this game. And they're not going to have the confidence to do it if they don't win this game in impressive fashion. Right. So I think this is a get-right game for UTEP. I think they play really well. I think the defense shows up. I think Gavin Harson has a big game through the air. I don't know if they hit the over and under because I don't know if New Mexico State scores enough for that. Mm -hmm. But I do think uh, UTEP covers the 14 and wins by closer to three touchdowns. Right. And we talked about this a little bit on our review, I guess, recap podcast. But – Nobody expected UTEP to go in there and just, you know, beat OU or even stay close to them. But 
they held their own. Yeah, they played well. You know, they held they held the, they held their own. And I think going into this game being 0-2, playing a fairly decent game, better than anybody else expected them to play against OU, coming back to the Sun Bowl, I think you've got all the momentum in the world coming into this game if you're UTEP. Yeah, and you have all the pressure too. Yep. You know, right. and so like you just gotta get that lead early in the first quarter, build a little confidence, get that anxiety out of the stands, you know, where everybody just kinda oh, okay, we're we're, we're fine. fine. You right. know, like this, the sky isn't falling. We're not about to go one in 11 again. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything's okay. You know, and so I, I think this is an important game for UTEP and one that they're going to play really well. And Dana Dimmel tends to do well in these kind of games. Back up against the wall, everybody counting them out. This is, right. u- this is usually when UTEP does their best work. Yes. Um, and I also didn't mention it, but uh, that game is going to be on Saturday, kickoff at 8 p.m., um, 7 p.m. their time uh, on ESPN Plus if you want to watch that game. Speaking of one of the worst FBS teams in the country, Texas State taking on really tough program FIU. <laughs> that game is going to be this Saturday at 6 p.m. If you want to watch the game, <laughs> it's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. You can join Ish. You can join <laughs> Ish, the one viewer that's going to – because we're going to force him to watch it because we're not going to watch it. So. That's his job on <laughs> that's ROF. That's literally his job on ROF yeah. is to be the Texas State keeper. Yeah. Like, uh, But Texas State, of course, going into this game favored by 13.5. The over-under is 61, which to me is – Probably got definitely going to take the under on that one because I, I don't think FIU can put up nearly that many points yeah. to hit the. Yeah, I think you could give them two games and the <laughs> under would still hit between these two offenses. You know, Texas State last week had minus 12 rushing yards. They gave up four sacks. Yeah. They had four turnovers, uh, 10 penalties, just a sloppy, ugly game. What's the locker room like this week? Right. You know, how up are they? How much belief is there? I know it's the first home game of the year. Maybe you can just eliminate that Nevada game, turn the page, and, and start over from scratch. You know, Lane Hatcher put up some numbers. They they threw mm-hmm. the ball a lot. I think 50-plus times they threw the ball. Uh, so Jake Spavadal and that offense are going to go down swinging. I just can't count on them to not make enough mistakes. You know, I, was, I think they have- win. I think they cover. They should. Because if they don't, right, like if Texas State sneaks this one out or, God forbid, Texas State loses this game. The wheels are falling off in San Marcos. So kind of like what we were talking about with UTEP. Like it feels like a back against the wall, like if not now, never Mm -hmm. type game. So if Texas State's going to have a good performance this year, you'd imagine it's going to be this Saturday. Right, because that FIU secondary is bad. It's bad. I mean, it's it's probably ranked 131 out of 131. They're really bad. Like like we were talking about with New Mexico State. Like New Mexico State, FIU, Charlotte, like those are some of the worst teams in the FBS. Right, and I I agree with you. I think if Lane Hatcher plays a mistake-free game, that this one should be an easy, easy dub for Texas State. Moving on to some FBS, FCS. Oh, we skipped uh, UTSA Army. We did skip UTSA Army. I didn't even make a lower third for that one, but we'll go ahead and talk about that one. UTSA taking on Army this week, Saturday at 11 a.m. on CBSN. Gambling odds, UTSA favored by only two. The over-under is 54 and a half, and I think that Army is definitely going to be one of the strangest opponents that UTA, UTSA faces all year. Yeah, you can't prepare for Army 
You just no, play army. You, can't. you know, like you're <laughs> not going to have guys chopping no. at your legs and, and doing all the weird triple option stuff that army does. So for UTSA, it's just gap discipline. It's more film work. You're going to do a lot more mental reps this week than physical reps on, on film and, and just kind of walking through plays and what mm -hmm. army wants to do. Army also Owen one coming off at coastal Carolina uh, loss, but back home, It'll be interesting for me. Like UTSA on paper should win this game. Like you take sure. like take RJ Carter at Army is excellent. Going to be an NFL draft pick, kind of one of the only Army NFL draft picks in recent memory. Mm -hmm. um, but you take away him, and you know UTSA is more talented, right? Frank mm -hmm. Harris, that passing mm -hmm. game is really good. Offensive line's okay. You did lose the right tackle in that game against Houston. He's not going to be back for a while. They lost the left tackle in preseason camp, so they are without two two offensive linemen. But I was super impressed with UTSA's defense last week. Absolutely. They played excellently. Like Sam mentioned, Houston struggled to run the ball. I don't know if that's so much Houston is missing Alton McCaskill or yeah. if UTSA is just better against the run than maybe we thought they were going to be. Right. For me, UTSA should win this game unless the Houston game beats them twice. Yep. And what I mean by that is – you lose a triple overtime game like that against a team you weren't supposed to beat but is going to the Big 12, like you had a chance to really put a marker down that UTSA football is here and it's here to stay, mm -hmm. and it slipped through their fingers. They were up 14 or 21-7 to 7 going into the fourth quarter, kind of a freak interception that lets them get it in there. They get into overtime. Like There were so many chances for UTSA to win that game. They were 13-3 and three in one-score games going into that game, so they're used to winning close games. Hopefully their confidence isn't shooken, right? right? Because the only way I see them going and losing this game is, one, if that Army offense just confuses them and just torches them because sometimes Army can do that. Right. Or it's that UTSA is still so sad or concerned or down by that loss to Houston mm -hmm. that they just don't get up in the necessary way to beat Army. Right. I'm always curious to know how just the regular team defensively prepares for a team like Army because they don't pass the ball. Yeah. Like, we looked up their stats. They had, like, maybe, like, 50 passing yards, and they were all short passes over the middle into the end zone or something like that. So, like, for a team that looked really good in the secondary last week, how does UTSA kind of dial it down there and then put more towards that that? Yeah, you'll see you'll see Chapman in the box a lot. You know, you're not going to play two high safeties because like, they basically were playing two high safeties, right. doubling Nathaniel Dell and daring Houston to beat them in any other way, which is why Clayton Toon ended up having so much success running the football uh, mm -hmm. late in the game is there just wasn't anybody left to account for him. Right. Um, against Army, you know, you're not going to be out on the practice field with your scout team offense running a lot of these plays because you don't want to get any of your guys hurt. Exactly. So you kind of set up dummies, you kind of set up gaps, and then you just walk through it. You mm -hmm. kind of mentally rep your way through it. Uh, coming off of a triple overtime game where you played a lot of snaps, that's probably the best thing anyway. But it's going to take a little while. I wouldn't be surprised if Army scored 7, 14, 21 early points and UTSA is having to play catch-up as the defense kind of adjusts to it. So it's right. just one of those weird games when you play one of the Armed Forces teams, mm -hmm. and uh, you're going to figure out kind of your toughness level because they're going to show up and play. Right. That's one thing you do know about Army. Mm -hmm. UTSA is going to have to get over last week, dust themselves off, and face some and overcome some adversity, something they didn't have to do a lot of last mm -hmm. year. It's also one of those games that, like, you can't start preparing for until the week before, you right. know, because you can't just change up that quick. You know, it's it's just kind of – it's always interested me to see teams like that play – army just because you got to really just adjust that defense so much but anyways let's go ahead and move on we've got four fbs teams taking on four fcs teams this week starting off 
We've got Houston, uh, SMU, excuse me, hosting Lamar. Lamar's in Houston, right? So that's yeah, it is. Beaumont. <laughs> Beaumont. That's why I said Houston. I think I was thinking of that. But that game is on Saturday at 6 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. And, of course, there's no betting lines because it is FCS team. SMU by 100. I was... T- I was gonna say. I was gonna say SMU by hundred. <laughs> there, there may have not been a more impressive team last week than SMU. No, no. Like that red. I, I mean, not. A, we all knew the offense was going to be really explosive. Like we've seen Rhett Lashley call plays at SMU, and mm-hmm. it was glorious. Then it was glorious on Saturday against North Texas. What I was surprised about is how clean they played. Mm-hmm. You would have thought SMU played the week zero game, and this was North Texas's first game because SMU, you know, wasn't turning the ball over a lot. They weren't getting a lot of penalties. Mm-hmm. They were playing well on special teams. Blocked a blocked a punt. I think blocked a, a field goal attempt. Yes. Um, almost had a return for a touchdown. So like, they played really well in all three phases of football for the week one. That's impressive. And for week one, your first time as a head coach with that many new faces and transfers, I was super impressed with SMU. Lamar, for twenty-eight to fourteen loss to Abilene Christian. That 14 points was just kind of two, three freak plays, right? You know, they right. didn't drive the football down. This one this one could get pretty bad. But for SMU, it's a chance to see a lot of the young guys, all the faces, get everybody to play. It's just one of those kind of games for the yeah. Mustangs. It seemed like those couple of plays, too, that Lamar was able to string together last week were just big-time explosive yeah. plays, right? SMU's defense is able to accommodate that pretty well. So I, I don't see Lamar's game plan being that, you know, this relying on those explosive plays. Like, they're going to have to try and just probably run the ball a lot, just try and get it downfield as slowly as possible. <laughs> right. Like, right. You, you're not going to be able to throw the ball. Right. You're not going to be able to have those explosive plays like last well, week. Well, I think Lamar, you're just hoping that Rhett Lashley yeah. doesn't want to put up 80. Yeah. You know, because this, this one's as a... ugly as SMU wants it to be. E- right, right. So. All right, let's move on to another FBS-FCS matchup in – North Texas hosting Texas Southern. Um, let's just hope that North Texas – this is a redemption game for North Texas. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is a this is one where you say, hey, sorry about last week. Uh, we're going to drop 50 on you. Sorry, Texas Southern. You're just kind of like the back end of the madness that we had to suffer through last week. Um, yeah, this is a get-right game for North Texas. Yeah, Asanani may contend for Conference USA Offensive Player of the Week again because – Stephen Stephen F or Stephen F Prairie View A and M scored forty points on Texas Southern without completing a pass. A single pass. So <laughs> that Texas Southern defense really really bad. Like you said, yeah. a, a get right game for North Texas. They should a lot like SMU right against Lamar win this game as much as you know by as many points as you know they want to. The one thing to watch here is, and we were talking about it pre-show with the office. The Texas Southern quarterback's really good. Andrew yeah. Bodie's really, really good. An excellent SWAC player. Was awesome. Corpus Christi set records down there. Um, he can score points. He can make plays. That North Texas mm-hmm. defense is is probably going to give up some yards, going to give up some points just because he's that good. Uh, that's going to be kind of the only thing to really watch early because North Texas should just ground Texas Southern into oblivion. Yes. Because if Prairie View can score 40 points just running the ball, North Texas should be able to score 60 points running the ball. Because, yeah. like, I'll make fun of the Mean Green all day. But they can run the football. They can run the football. Especially between the tackles. Like, they can play some grown man. Like, we're going to line up and hit you in the mouth, run the football. Against SMU, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Against Texas Southern, it will. So, mean green by a lot. Yes. 
Uh, I didn't mention it, but that game is on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN3. Let's move on to another get-right game, hopefully. Rice taking on McNeese at home. Um, that game's on Saturday, also at 6.30 p.m., and you can watch that one on ESPN3 as well. And like I mentioned, another get-right game for Rice because this probably is going to be the only non-conference game that they have a chance of winning. Yeah, they, they play Louisiana and Houston yeah. after this, started with USC. We talked about the Wiley Green injury earlier, so that means this is a big game for TJ McMahon and just to build some confidence. Don't throw yep. interceptions, throw a couple touchdowns, leave feeling good about yourself. You had a rough showing in week one against USC and relief duty. Let's build some confidence, give them some easy throws, let the running game do a lot of the work. Mm -hmm. So you kind of come out of this game feeling okay and with a healthy quarterback. You can't risk can't risk losing another one, right? right. And so uh, you know, I think for Rice, this is just uh, let your front seven dominate defensively, let your offensive line and Ari Broussard and that running game cook. Uh, on, on, on offense and then kind of manufacture some ways for the passing game to, to get some confidence, to mm -hmm. complete 60, 65% of the passes. doesn't even matter for how many yards, but safe, easy passes, safe, easy completions that don't put them in a lot of uh, risk because, as we've seen, he's, he's capable of throwing one or two really bad footballs a game. Right. And last up on our slate of games this week, we've got TCU hosting Tarleton. That game is this Saturday at 7 p.m. You can also watch this game on ESPN+. And like we said about the last two, this is just a kind of another like, hey, let's just kind of get back on the right track. Let's give Max Duggan a couple more reps. Um, probably going to be a TCO blowout. Yeah, I think this is good for Max Duggan. He probably didn't get as many snaps with the ones the last two or three weeks of yep. fall camp as Chandler Morris. So this kind of gives them some some real life practice because that's all this is is a glorified scrimmage. <laughs> True. Um, and so yeah, I think for TCU, it's you still got to remember TCU. It's a new coaching staff, so any opportunity to go out there and get some stuff on film, mm -hmm. play different opponents that don't know what you like to do, you don't know what they like to do. There's off-script stuff. There's variables that you can't account for like you can in practice. I think it's still valuable for, yeah. for the Horn Frogs. If Sonny Dykes was in his third year, probably not as valuable. But when you're in your first year, you're still trying to figure out who can do what, who can't do what, what the young guys are. You know, They should be able to get pretty much their whole roster on the field. That's still an invaluable thing for a, for a new coach and a new coaching staff. Yep, yep. Well, that completes our week two game or slates, week two slate of game. I'm, I can't even talk to my now, but um, <laughs> you we're were, you're up. You were up late last night <laughs> calling some volleyball. I was. I was calling the North Texas, Texas Southern yeah, game. Yeah. So I got to see them, got to see North Texas sweep Texas Southern in volleyball, and maybe they can kind of do the same. You know what's football. nice about Dave Campbell's <laughs> Texas football is if you want to feel like you're kind of lazy – yeah. You come work up here because everybody <laughs> in the world, everybody up here has got like eight different gigs. You know, y'all uh, are all, y'all are doing work during the day. Y'all are on TV late at night. You're calling, you know, volleyball games, pickle and tepper doing Friday night, valley <laughs> stuff. And Ish has like six jobs up here. He does like 13 different things. And I'm just like, man, rice is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> man yeah. did, you, did you see Wiley Green yeah. go down that week like, I, I complain about 47 <laughs> college football programs Tepper's like we have 1400 high, high schools school. like leave me alone 
so oh lord yeah. no you do it's you're good fine. You're it's fine. good no it's good it's uh it's good for your soul to be brought down to earth i can <laughs> i can get a little too confident so it's good sometimes being around here with all you superstars that will be it for the republic of football i hope you were able to handle my hosting uh, ish is much better at this speaking of things ish does better than me hosting internet shows is one of them we are a live internet show every wednesday yep. at two o'clock Please like, subscribe, rate us as five stars on all your podcast platforms. You can catch us on YouTube, all those kind of things. We're yeah. pretty much everywhere. Yeah, I don't know where know. we're not. We are. We're even on Twitter as well. Yeah. Like You can literally watch us live on Twitter. It'd be easier to list where we're to. not Yeah, exactly. than know, where right? we are. So yeah. uh, it's 2022. You know how to find us. You know how to rate things. You know how to subscribe. If it's four star or under, we don't want it. Um, so that'll be yeah. it for us. <laughs> do not, do not give us a four star. <laughs> like yeah. if you yeah. don't yeah. just do five Four star, or no star, you know, four five, star, five star, or no star. Um, if you <laughs> missed it. it yesterday, Corey Hogue and I put out a oh, college yes. football, small college football podcast. We're going to do every Tuesday of the other 35 teams in the state that play college football, Sam Houston, incarnate Word, Stephen F Mary Hart and Baylor Trinity, all of those schools. We covered all of that. Uh, we're excited to bring that to you on Sunday. We'll be back with a recap episode, at Mallory, Ish, and I. Uh, well, maybe if Texas State loses, it'll just be me and you again. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, be surprised. <laughs> but two or three of us will be back on the Sunday episode uh, to recap all the action from week two. Oh, also, too, I wanted to say, if you do want to go listen to that FCS, or not FCS, the small college podcast, it's still under the Republic of Football. Yep. We're keeping it under the same name. It's just kind of an extension of, obviously, our FBS talk yeah. podcast, but well, you we're can still find we're in a download. We're in a download competition. This is one of those things. Oh, yeah, where, like, I don't right. know if pickle and tepper even know. This is like one of those things like TFT doesn't even know. They don't even care. We're, we like, have we're, beef, we're like <laughs> but we have beef, right? Uh, we're in a download competition, or at least I am uh, with TFT. So now that we have three shows compared to their five, it's a little bit closer yeah, playing field. Um, so, you know, mash those download buttons, tell all your friends, all that kind of stuff, grab your mom's phone and just download it onto yeah. hers or whatever you need to do. We'll exactly. take, we'll take cheating. Uh, we'll, give you, che- we'll give you an RF shirt. Yeah. If, you if you're not cheating, <laughs> you're not cheating. You're not trying. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, appreciate you listening. Thanks for all, uh, that y'all have done over this last month for us. We've had uh, really good numbers, and yes. so like we're really excited about that. It's it's one of our favorite parts of the week, so we enjoy doing it. That will be it for us at Republic of Football. After week two, we will talk to you again on Sunday. As a reminder, we have had 12 of the eventual 13 FBS coaches oh, in the it. state. Jimbo Fisher, give us a call. Go Wreckers.